thank you for coming back again for another podcast on Brag on God. So today we are going to cover Jesus walks on water. Okay. Now, this is in, if you want to grab your Bible and jump to it, it is Matthew. I'm going to go into Matthew 14, chapter 14, verse 22 to 36. And I'm going to preface today by saying that I am super nervous, feeling very unworthy, not unprepared because I am prepared, but I just don't feel like anything in the human language can touch on, can give reverence to what faith means. So I will tell you when I started um, preparing and I usually start like at the beginning of the week or as soon as I finish one segment, I'll pray about what I'm going to do next. Usually I get it and I start, I just kind of let it marinate for a few days and then really get into the study about it. So this time I felt like Oh, I'm going to do Jesus walking on water, Peter walking on water, Peter falling in the water. Um, and I thought it was going to be fun. You know, that's usually my 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 vibe It's usually fun, laughter, um, reverence to God, bragging on God. But once I got into it, I realized that. It's not really about Jesus walking on water or Peter walking on water. It was about faith. And then all jokes stopped. It it got really serious for me. So this is kind of out of my element. But I feel like this is not a joking matter. This is super serious. So guys, pray for me. Um, I hope I do this podcast service. And I tried to do it once before, a few days ago. It ended up being super long. So I'm going to try and keep this one short and make it effective. So let's get into it. All right. So I broke this down into six things that I thought were important, six topics to cover. Okay. Um, and I'll break, I'll get into them, but I'll start off with why I feel like, I don't know, there's so many reasons why I feel like faith is so important. But when I actually looked it up, and you guys know I really kind of like work from the NIV version of the Bible because it's a little easier for me to understand. But I do use different versions, so we might go into the King James or something. But anyway, um, when I looked at, when I researched In the NIV version, it talks about, it mentions faith 458 times. Now that was something for me to stop and take pause because there's people in the Bible, there's characters in the Bible that are not mentioned that much. So it kind of like, You know, I think of all the things that are important to me in my life, like my dog. They don't talk about pets at all. I don't think. Maybe Noah. Yeah. (laughs) But 
there's so many things that are important to me in my life that are not even mentioned in the Bible. As, well, at least not by name, but faith 458 times. That was huge to me. So I had to kind of get into like, okay, what is faith? So I looked up the definition of faith. So first I went to, I'm going to go to the Hebrew. This is um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And the definite, and this is the King James Version. And I use this one because this is the one that probably most people will recall hearing. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the first part of that says the substance of things hoped for. That means it's the essence of, it's the main thing. Substance is like, that's the thing you can hold on to. It's the substance of things hoped for. So that tells me that it's something good. It's something desirable. And then the second part, the evidence of things not seen. So evidence is something you can come to a conclusion. The evidence of things not seen. It's the proof of things that you can't see. That kind of contradicts. (laughs) But... In essence, that's exactly what faith is. Faith is when you don't see it actually coming to pass. You know you've won the race, but you're still at the starting block. That's kind of a contradiction. How you know? How do you know you won the race if you haven't even started the race? So it's the evidence of things not seen. I just believe it. I hope it, but I haven't seen it yet. That is huge. That means I can plug anything into that equation. Something that I want, but I haven't seen. Okay, so let's put a pin mark in that. That's a whole thing just to digest and meditate on. Now, then I went to the dictionary. And the definition of faith says complete trust. Okay, so that now that's coming down my street because when I think of complete, I think of 100%. Well, maybe I have baby faith because my faith isn't always complete. And I'm going to get into that too because I kind of have two types of faith and I'll explain that to you in a little bit. Um, but the definition in the dictionary says complete trust. That to me equates to 100%. Or could it equate to complete is my best, the best that I have to give? Because complete for me is like, um, if I'm on my last leg, or let's say I have $23 in my wallet, I completely gave all I had. Maybe the goal was to get $100, but if all I had was 23 Did I give a complete donation? Absolutely. So I'm going to work with that complete trust because I feel like God doesn't have a quota of our trust. He wants us to trust him with our whole heart, with everything we have. Come as you are. Like, so complete might just be my whole heart. 
So my level of faith, maybe it's at 50%. Maybe Pastor Jojo is at 99%. But my 50%, my whole heart, is God going to say, no, Melissa, it wasn't good enough? I don't think so. So I think complete trust equates to your whole heart, your whole heart, your whole mind. Okay. Your words. That's what I feel like it is. So the definition says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Okay. So I'm good with that. That complete trust. I'm good with that. I feel like that's my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole being just believing And sometimes that comes by blocking out distractions. Okay. So we've got a little definition. We kind of know why it's important because for it to be mentioned 458 times in the Bible, it's got to be worthy of mentioning, right? Um, That's one. Um, So let's get into the, let's get into the verse that we're supposed to be studying because I kind of feel like this verse is, only a portion of the whole meal. The whole meal is really about faith. But let's get into the chapter um, that we pick. Well, that that we're doing this week. So again, it's Matthew chapter fourteen, verse twenty-two, and it says Jesus walks on water. Now again, I'm in the NIV version. It says immediately. And I love this about Jesus. I see so many times, and I probably should do a study on how many times does the Bible say have immediate and Jesus in the same sentence. Like, sometimes we pray for something, we have faith it's coming, but then we don't have the patience to wait for it. And so many times it says Jesus immediately or immediately Jesus. So I'm kind of thinking that Jesus is not just sitting around lollygagging while we're waiting. Maybe he's waiting on us. I don't know, but let's get into it. I just thought that was something that I, as I read the Bible, I see immediately so many times that it stuck out to me. Okay. But side note, and guys bear with me because when I do Bible study, I study words. I study the meanings. I study the actions. I study the behind the actions. So I will break down stuff into little more um, spiritual segments, I can say, not just the word on the paper, but like, what was that meaning behind it? Okay. So chapter 14, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Okay. So a little background. So Jesus was actually basically preaching to the crowd. This is right at the time where he was talking to the multitude of people. There wasn't enough food. So they had been there for a while. There wasn't enough food. He um, broke the bread and the fish until it was able to feed like 5,000 or something. Okay. And if you want to read that, then go on back to, I think it's like chapter, I think it's verse 13. So you can go back there and read and see what was going on. But Short version, he had just preached to like 5,000 people, a whole gang of people, and 
fed them bread and fish from, you know, like just a couple of loaves. Okay. So now he is wrapping it up. His disciples, you know, his guys were there. His boys were there (laughs) and he's by the water. So that tells me probably a lot of people who were able to have a boat were there. We know the disciples had a boat. But when Jesus finished talking to the people, he sent the disciples off in a boat ahead of him. Um, it says he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went on to a mountainside by himself to pray. So that always strikes me as sometimes in life we're doing, doing, doing whenever we're helping people, doing our job serving our family, whatever the case may be, we're giving of ourselves, it can be draining. And I notice a lot of times when God, when Jesus does, he gives a lot of himself, he goes away just to have his quiet time with God. And that's actually a practice that I've done for years because I do need to refuel. I do need to regenerate. And that's what I, where I find my peace. And that's how I it revitalizes just by spending quiet time with God. Um, I have a backyard that's probably one of the favorite parts of my house and it's so super peaceful out there and I hear the birds and the wind and it's let me not get started but anyway that's my rejuvenation place Um, but one one of many. Um, So anyway Jesus went to the mountainside by himself to pray Like, I think every part of the sentence is important. He didn't just go there to sleep. He didn't just go there to sit. He was intentional. He went to have time with God, with our Father. Um, Then it says, when evening came. So imagine now he's been out with the people for probably hours. He fed them because after time they got hungry. So it's coming into the evening. When evening came, he was there alone. Now he's already sent the disciples out like they're, they're long gone out into the water. Jesus is spending time with God. And now evening has come. Jesus is still there by himself. Like he must, I can imagine he's going through a lot, you know, like God, listen, I'm doing the work. Why these people aren't getting it? You know, I'm not sure what he was thinking, but I know it has to be draining because I think of just the people nowadays and how we're just all over the place. Jesus is probably like saying, oh, they, what the heck? What are they doing? (laughs) You know? So anyway, evening came. He's still there alone. Then it says, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So we know there was waves. We know there was wind. We know the disciples were already gone out. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, what I find with this section, and I know I'm super breaking it down, 
but this might be a two-segment podcast, um, and I'm not going to rush it. What I saw when Jesus is not, Jesus is basically all-knowing, right? I'm sure there were other boats around. There wasn't just the one boat that the disciples got into, but Jesus could have had some forethought and said, you know what? If I'm sending the boys out and I'm not in the boat with them, I'm going to need a boat. He could have reserved a boat for himself. I'm sure somebody would have offered him their boat. He didn't. He let everybody, he served everybody first before himself. Then when it came time for him to go out there with the disciples, he didn't have a boat. He didn't let that stop him, stop him from his purpose. He just believed like, let me just walk on water. How many times do I want to say we, but I'm going to say me. How many, well, I, how many times in life had I, have I said, well, I can't do such and such because I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not curvy enough. Um, this guy won't talk to me because I'm not cute enough. <laughs> I won't get the job because I'm not st- smart enough. Can't start the business because I don't have money enough. Um, like all these things that in life I have blocked my blessing or blocked my purpose because I didn't have a faith enough to believe that I could do it. So that is huge. Like Jesus was like, he could have sat at the shore, like, come on guys, come on back to me. Knowing the wind and the waves were pushing them away. Jesus said, you know what? I'm just going to walk out there. Now, the wind and the waves were there. It didn't affect Jesus. Now, keep in mind, wind and waves, distraction. Okay? Those are distractions. Forget about the fact of just walking on water and gravity being a distraction. (laughs) But the wind and the waves are a distraction. They're a hindrance. They're a block from the disciples. But they don't affect Jesus. That's master level faith. Okay. Now, when the disciples saw Jesus, they cried out. It was, it's a ghost. They're, they're scared. Fear. Okay. That's crazy. Cause I actually looked at, um, what I thought was the opposite of faith. And when I was studying, so I looked up the definition of faith, but I wanted to know, okay, I know complete trust. Yeah, I got that. But I wanted to know what comes against it. Why is it so hard just to trust and believe? I wanted to know what's the opposite so I can know what not to do. So when I looked at the opposite, what came to me is three things. Doubt. Doubting that whatever we're believing for can happen or can happen for me. Because we see it happen for other people. Um, So doubt. Worry. We sit there and instead of putting our energy into praying and being backed up by scripture and meditating on that, we worry about, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have enough time. The kids are too small. Oh, I don't have enough money. We worry. We find stuff to worry. And that's what we meditate on. 
and fear. That feeling, which is emotion, fear, which is not even real. It's like the complete opposite of faith. It's not real. Fear, what do they say? I forget. I forget what fear stands for. But anyway, it's not real. So doubt, worry, fear. I'll also say the opposite of faith, I'm going to add in there, is negative self-talk. You know, or, or just somebody once told me, they said, if you're not for me, you're against me. I feel like the power of words, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I feel like words are not just meant to be random. Like don't just talk out the side of your neck. Either your words are going to build up your faith or your words are going to tear it down. And I've heard people say when, when they ask, you know, good morning, how are you? And somebody said, oh, you know, I feel sick. I feel cold coming on. What the heck? Are you kidding me? How about I'm amazing and getting better, <laughs> you know, because that's what you are. So there's a choice, positive self-talk, negative self-talk. You don't have to claim feeling sick. Like, dang it, you're stuffy already. Take action and make yourself feel better. Go take some allergy medicine or something, you know, and then continue to speak positive. So, and I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking with, well, maybe I, I'm talking to y'all, but I'm talking about myself. Okay. All right. Let me get back to the word because every time I tend, this tends to come down my street. So I'm going to get back to the word. Um, so verse 27 it says, but Jesus immediately, there we go, immediately said to them, take courage. That means basically stop being scaredy cats, be brave, take courage. It is I don't be afraid. Boom. There he tells them, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter says, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, <laughs> I got a problem with Peter. Why are you trying, Jesus? Like, I'm sorry, but why are you trying? Like, I feel like I want to get a little ghetto. Peter, dude, what, bruh? <laughs> why are you trying, Jesus? Like, he just friggin' fed 5,000 with two loaves of bread and five fish or something. Why are you trying him? Didn't you see enough? Where is your faith? Like, what the heck? I, I got attitude with Peter, but... Hold on, because I say it always comes down my street. So <laughs> I feel like I'm in confessional sometimes. I have this thing that when I've been in times of my life, when I've been going through stuff, um, I'll see the numbers 444. And that's always been like a really good positive sign. It's happened so often. As a matter of fact, it happened yesterday. <laughs> it's happened so twice. <laughs> it's so crazy. But it happens so often that it has kind of convinced me that that's a way of God or angels giving me confirmation. So now it's to the point where there's times when I've been going through stuff in life and I've been like, Jesus, God, if this is meant to be, show me some, show me confirmation. So and I'm trying Jesus too. And then I'll see a taxi or something or the, I'll look up at the clock and it says four, four, four. Like something wild will happen, you know? So like, I'm Peter. 
Like, why are so many people in the Bible, and not always the positive ones, why are the ones that still trying and pushing forward? Like, I see me and them. They are me. Me is them. Like, that's crazy. So anyway, Peter says, tell me if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, he doesn't even, like, I know Jesus is a man of few words, but his words are intentional. He doesn't like, come on, Peter, you know you could do it. Da, 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 da. He doesn't go through all that. He just says, come. Like clear instruction. Like Jesus needs to like, like be the epitome for Nike. Nike says, just do it. Jesus says, come. Like, swoosh. Like the Nike swoosh after that. <laughs> Then Peter, okay, so Peter was obedient. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. He has that baby faith right there. He just like, I'm going to do this. Jesus said, come, I'm going to do it. But when he saw the wind, remember the wind? The wind and the waves that were the distraction. Remember, I told you that's going to be a distraction. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So he became afraid. Remember, fear is the opposite of faith. So in the beginning, Jesus says, come. He gets out the boat. He takes action. He gets out the boat. Boom. He's walking. He's believing. That's faith. The wind comes. He gets distracted. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. I had to insert this because um, somebody called and messed up my recording. So bear with me. So I'm going to rewind a little bit. And we're talking about we're still in Matthew chapter 4, 14. And we were at verse 29 where Jesus tells Peter to come. Okay, so Peter jumps out it says verse 29 um jesus says come then peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards jesus right he didn't hesitate that tells me he had faith he took action he did exactly what like jesus was there in the flesh talking to him so he had faith now but this is faith based on being able to see and hear okay so Peter got down out of the boat, he walked on the water, and he came towards Jesus. Boom. That's faith at its best. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So what happened? It says he saw the wind. So that he didn't just hear the wind. Like you can't really see the wind. So that wind to me was kind of strong for him to see it. He probably saw it blowing through the trees or something. So he saw the wind and what happened? Now, remember, guys, the wind is just a distraction. So he saw the wind or he heard the wind um, and he became afraid. Remember, the opposite of faith is fear. So he became afraid. You can't have faith and fear at the same time. You can't have faith and worry at the same time. So as soon as he started to do the opposite of faith, he became afraid. He began to sink. But I give, I give Peter some props. 
he did what was right. He cried out, Lord, save me. But honestly, do we always need to be asking Jesus to save us, save us, save us when we know better, when we're learning better? Hmm. Come on, Peter. Come on. (laughs) I might have to change my name to Peter. Good gracious. Then verse 31, it says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And this is a scolding. Oh my gosh. He says, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? Remember, fear, doubt. So I imagine if he didn't doubt, he would have continued with his strong faith. Now, verse 32, it says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So I'm thinking the wind, honestly, was just a challenge, just a lesson, just a test to see if Peter was going to stay focused. Now, that tells me our faith needs to be focused. It needs to be unwavering, right? Then it says in verse 33, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, it's crazy that we need to constantly see Jesus constantly doing things in our life to believe, to have faith. I want to say that if Jesus never never done another thing (laughs) for me, my faith would be strong. But the truth is, I still need to nurture my faith. I still need to feed it. So I get them. I get them. Um, Verse 34, it says, when they had crossed over, they landed on. I can't say that word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I'm going to call it Island G. Um, They landed on this island. Now, the thing is, I get here. Jesus and the disciples were en route. They were going out to spread the word, right? So I imagine they had never been to this island before. So get this, thirty verse 35. And when the men of that place, the men of Island G, recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. Okay, so that tells me it's not just a little island. It's more like a country, so it's bigger, right? Now, these people who recognized Jesus, they recognized him based on what they heard. So without the Internet, without email, without letters, somehow word had been getting word of mouth had been getting back to these people on Island G or Country G. And based on what they heard, faith comes by hearing based on what they heard. They believed, they believed enough to go and spread word all to the surrounding country, right? That tells me, like, I know sometimes with even doing a podcast, like I'm not really posting this because I'm kind of like, this is just for me. There's a certain amount of insecurity. Will people really like this? You know, it's not until you super have confidence that you go out and start talking stuff to everybody. But these people believe so much in Jesus. They sent word to all surrounding country. 
Okay. And again, this is based on just what they've heard of Jesus. Now it says, then people brought all their sick to him. That shows their level of faith because all the sick people in this land, in this island G or country G, whatever, it's hard enough. Now imagine they didn't really have, they didn't have cars. They didn't have, you know, Uber and Lyft and all that. So for them to bring the people, that means they didn't have bicycles. That means they had to walk, right? Nine times out of 10, they had to walk. And it's hard enough to walk. And what if you don't have like sandals and, you know, um, shoes, Converse, Nikes, whatever. You got to walk on rocks. That hurts just to walk. So not only did they walk to come and see Jesus, they brought their sick. So that means if your leg is busted or something, I got to like you're leaning on me because you can't walk strong on your own feet. Or if you're blind, you're leaning on me. Or if you're really, really sick and about to die because Jesus was healing people who had were sick and about to die and who had died. So they're carrying all their sick people. Right. That's that's a lot of faith for me to put somebody on my back and carry them. Man, I got to believe in what we're doing. So it says people brought all their sick to him and they begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. Okay, so they believe so strong that they didn't even feel like Jesus had to turn around and lay hands on them, throw some holy water, let it sizzle on them. Um, They just felt like Jesus didn't even have to acknowledge the sick. They just felt like if the sick could just touch, not even touch Jesus, but touch his cloak, that means touch his cover, his clothing, just the clothing that was touching him. They believe that much that that would that alone would work. That kind of tells me if I had that kind of faith, I could just like put hands on my Bible and believe that everything the Bible says is going to heal me because that's a medium between Jesus and and us. So they believe that just touching his cloak, the medium between the actual entity and themselves was enough to heal them. So let's read on and see what it says. It says all who touched him were healed. Now it didn't say some, it said all. So that tells me everybody who believed enough to take action got the results that they were looking for. Man, I'm telling you, this stuff is good. Now, what I'm going to do is continue to grow my faith, continue to work on just believing the word that is in God. Because if I can just believe that, unwavering, without distraction, without doubt, without worry, with clarity, without negative self-talk, I can be healed. I can have the desires of my heart. I can have what I pray for. Man, that's a lot to digest. Well, listen, guys, 
see me in the next um, section, in the next segment. And let's break it down. Let's break down what we just read, okay? All right. And again, guys, sorry for the interruption, but I think I got the last piece in there. So this is going to be part of part one. And the next one will be part two. All right. Thanks for coming. Okay, my peoples, I'm I'm glad you came back. This is part two um, of faith. We're, we're, we're checking out Peter's faith, but you know, they come all down my street. I think they come down your street too. So let's get into it. So in part one, we went over Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 36, where Jesus walked on water. He came on out to... He sent the disciples ahead of him. They were out in the boat. The wind and the waves were distractions. Peter later comes out to the boat. I mean, Jesus later comes out to the boat. He walks on water towards the disciples. They wake up on the fourth watch, which I'm not quite sure what the fourth watch of the night was. Um, But anyway, they had broken up the night into different segments where I guess each, each, maybe they split it up and, you know, three disciples, y'all take the first watch, the second watch. It was probably like two hour shifts or something. And it's pretty cool. Like when I researched it, it's pretty cool how they measured it because they didn't have time. So they had some kind of a bowl and it had a hole in it and they would fill it with water and when the water ran out, that was probably, I'm not sure what time increment that was, but I imagine if there's a night watch and it's broken into four segments because it says on the fourth watch, um, I imagine it's probably, let's say if they slept for eight hours, if you break it down in four, that's probably a two hour watch. And that would make sense. So they took this pottery kind of bowl filled it with water there's a little hole in the bottom and as the water drips out it takes about two hours for the bowl to become empty when it's empty then they wake up the next three disciples and say hey it's your watch and they fill the bowl again now I can imagine maybe some of those disciples might have tipped some of the water out to make it end early like (laughs) but I guess maybe there's three of them. That's a little accountability. Like maybe if it's just one, he might tip some water out. But if you got two other brothers watching, that's accountability. (laughs) So I just, anyway, that's a little side note. I thought that was cute how they measured time back then. Um, Okay. So Jesus walked out to the water. Jesus walked on the water, went out to the boat where the disciples were. Um, Peter challenged him like, Hey God, if that's you, Tell me to come to you. He gets out there full of faith. Wind and waves and stuff start coming. Distractions come. He starts to sink. He gets full of fear, doubt. He starts to sink. Um, Jesus has to save him. Okay. So you can either go back and re-listen to part one of this, um, this episode, this podcast, or that's the recap or even better yet. Read Matthew chapter 14. Okay, that'll get you get you all caught up. All right, so now 
This section is going to be my kind of my breakdown. Now, I broke this down into six parts. Number one, we went over in part one is what is faith? And I'll just sum it up. Faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And Hebrews chapter 14, verse one says, faith is the substance of things hoped for evidence of things not seen. Okay. All right. So if you want my breakdown of that, again, go back to part, um, part one of this podcast. Okay. So that's one. What is faith? Now faith is mentioned in the NIV version of the Bible 458 times. So we know it's super important. Um, we've gone over what the opposite of faith is or what I believe it to be is doubt, worry, fear, negative self-talk. Um, so number two, I asked myself, why is faith important? Well, duh, it's mentioned that many times in the Bible, 458. That's crazy. If I say anything that often, if I talk about somebody and I keep talking about this person, I might not even like them, but if their name comes out my mouth, guess what? They're important to me. So for it to be mentioned 458 times, hello, maybe God is trying to tell you something. <laughs> I'm not going to sing guys. Cause I can't <laughs> y'all to turn off this podcast in a hot second. Anyway. So number two I had was, why is it important? We just covered that. Um, number three, where do I start with faith? Where do I start trying to build my faith? So I always say no, no place better, but the present. So my faith has to be kind of an everyday thing. I got to start today, whatever today is for you. Whenever you're listening to it, start today. Okay. Um, I had mentioned before that I feel like I have two kinds of faith and it's not really two kinds of faith. It's faith in two different things. So I have this, like Oprah says, what do you know for sure? My faith that I know for sure is that in all my years of living, in all my stumbles of every time I screwed up something, Somebody else screwed up my wagon. Um, Every time something came as a challenge, a stumbling block came. God either carried me or he turned that stumbling block into a stepping stone. Okay. So what I know for sure is God has got me. Like you can't tell me different. I'm sorry. And I'll say in my, I'm going to say in the most recent thing that I have seen that really shook me was George Floyd. And I know a lot of people can relate to that, whether you're chocolate, vanilla, that was just a human thing. But I think for chocolate people, because of our history, it cuts so much deeper And there's a fear that, how do we trust people again? Um, So I'm not going to get into that, but, because that's deep. 
but that felt like it was probably my lowest time that I can remember in God, where are you? And honestly, I didn't quest I didn't question God. I didn't question is he in control? I'll tell you, and this may sound a little weird. I feel like there's people, there's people, not just in the Bible, but there's people who everyone is super special. Everyone is unique, uniquely, awesomely designed. Like when I look at my body and say, wow, if I get a cut, like every little part, every atom of my body works together to make that cut heal. Like God then just like, oh, let me throw together Melissa. Oh, forgot to add red blood cells to that batch. You know, and then I'm jacked up. No, we're all wonderfully and uniquely perfectly made. Even in my imperfections, they serve a purpose. So I feel like people come, we come to this life for a reason. Everybody has a purpose and a destiny. I really feel like, and I don't want to get into politics, but I feel like, George, nobody can take someone else's life. I feel like because God is in control, God could have, he could have had lightning strike down the officers, all four of them. He could have gave George Floyd super natural power. God allowed that to happen. And maybe because it needed to, but maybe just maybe George Floyd, his spirit, which is the important part of him, and I'm going all down another street, dang it. So maybe, because our physical is not the real us. Our spiritual person is the wise one. Our physical is the one that just happens to go through these lessons to build our spiritual self. So George Floyd's spiritual self was super awesome. He came into this earth, dealt with some physical challenges, maybe some substance, maybe this, that, whatever, maybe some job issues, but he came into this earth, dealt with the physical challenges, but his spirit self came to lay down his life. And it didn't take a whole genocide. It took one man, one spiritual life, one man saying, I'm willing to lay down my life for the greater good. Now, had that incident not happened, I can't tell you that the world would have come in unity because people in different countries were marching, were protesting for days. Vanilla, chocolate, um, butter pecan, you name it. We came together to stand against that. And as a result, the negative energy that didn't care about seems to not have valued humanity for all people was voted out of office. Okay. Y'all don't hate on me. I said seems to. Um, 
and I'm big on just compassion to other people. But had and I will say the election was so close. And a lot of times things are done that are unfair to a particular race of people, whether it's black people, Jewish people, Asian people. If this incident with George Floyd had not happened, I don't know if it would have brought so much light to respect to after that happened a lot of criminal cases were reevaluated a lot of people who were recently found hanging from trees reevaluated police who and I'm former law enforcement and respect the badge but people who have abused the badge and abused that power were now held to a higher standard. Um, people went out in massive droves to vote. People who probably would not have normally gone out and voted, massive. So, okay, I'm sidetracked again. So do I feel like let me get back to it. I was on, I was on my number three. Where do I start with faith? Everyday faith. What I know for sure. What I know for sure is that regardless of what happens in this life, God has got me. He has got me. I, I, I don't doubt that. I don't care whether I'm vanilla, I'm chocolate, what color my skin looks like, um, whether I speak Spanish, Chinese, Portuguese, I don't care. God has got me. God has George Floyd. I don't think anyone can take someone else's life. And you might be able to stop the physical, but no one can take the spiritual. You can't. I don't. No one has that much power. Okay. So that's something that we have to choose to give up. Like our spirit that resides with God, we give it up if we choose to go to the dark side. If we choose to um, become a slave to greed, to, I think that's what hell is. When you give up your, when you want greed, money, hatred, when those are the things that fuel you. Okay. So anyway, my two faiths, my faith in God I can't tell you any time in my life when I've ever wavered with that. I really can't. Now, my other faith, my daily faith, my faith in me, <laughs> my faith in Melissa, can you um, make this sale? And I'm a pretty, not to brag, but I'm a pretty decent sales agent. I will say that. And I think because I come from a heart of serving people, you know, so that that's kind of just like if I can think like how would I want someone to treat me and I think that's what makes me the best in what I do um but I ha I do a lot of things I have you know when it comes to faith in myself that's where I can say my faith my faith wavers but then if I'm a part of God I've got to start believing more that it's not my doing it's God Okay, so that's where I have to build my faith. If I want to start a business, I've got to believe that God will, he'll carry me. He'll order my steps. 
he'll open doors where there seem to be no doors. So that's where I start with faith is understanding that there's two levels to it. There's the foundation, which is my belief in God, my faith in God. And then there's how I build the rooms on top of that foundation. Now I may want it to be a three bedroom. By the time God is finished with it, it might be a six bedroom. That's usually what happens. But the foundation, there's no cracks in it. There's no cracks in God. His word, it is, you know, it's sometimes our expectations or what we perceive to be how things should go. That doesn't always work the way we expect it. And that's why we start to doubt. But if we trust that it's working the way God designed it, we'll know that, hey, this was meant to happen. George Floyd probably said, hey, I'm going to come down onto this earth and I'm going to live for a few years and then I'm going to give my life. I'm going to sacrifice my life for the greater good of massive mankind. And maybe even the pandemic happened to keep us kind of low key, semi quarantine. Because I can tell you when that happened with George Floyd, if we were all able to come out into the street like crazy, we'd probably still a year later be protesting. So God had to have like maybe a blanket just to kind of like, hey, go protest, but we're going to keep this kind of level. Protest enough to get recognition, but let's quiet it down. And I can tell you there's so many great things that came out of that have come out of the pandemic. For me, it was it was a reset button for me. It was a chance to catch my breath. Instead of being always in go mode, I was able to like ooh saw for like a year and a half. And when I came out, instead of being like I feel like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon, I came out and I feel like I'm more graceful. The things that I do now have more purpose. Even starting this podcast, like I would have been go, 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 go. I would have never made the time. But now being quarantined, working from home, like things feel like they have fallen into place. Okay, so I went down a long street again. Um, That was number three. Where do I start? Start with your everyday faith. Just knowing that that foundation of God, have faith in God, know that his word is never changing. Just start with that. Number four, how do we grow our faith? Okay, so, um, okay, let's get into this. So how do we grow our faith? Um, Let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. And so I actually went back to... Um, it's verse 17. I went back to verse 16 and just to give you, I always like to give a little backstory. And I say to every verse that you read, read that whole chapter. Cause it'll give you a whole better insight, but I'm only going to go back to 16 for verse 16 for time's sake. And this is from the NIV version. Um, this is Romans chapter 10, verse 16. It says, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Okay, so 
not everybody's going to believe. Not everybody's going to have faith. We've got to choose. The greatest gift that God could give us, one of them, is the gift of choice. So it says here, not all the Israelites accepted the good news. Then verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and hearing and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So basically, you have a choice to believe or not. How you grow your faith is by hearing the word, hearing the word of God. And then I also went into verse 18. It says, but I asked, did they not hear? So Isaiah was asking, did the Israelites not hear? Like, was their hearing aid not turned up? Or what, what happened? What, what, what happened? <laughs> and Jesus said, of course they did. So we are hearing, but are we allowing that to penetrate? Are we, we're hearing, but are we receiving? So faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. We're hearing, but are we receiving? So hearing is somebody sending it out to you. Receiving is us allowing it to sink into our heart, mind, and soul. Okay. All right. So how do we grow our faith? We grow it by not just hearing it. The other part of hearing is receiving it because the Israelites heard. Jesus says, of course they did. Hmm. All right. Then how do we grow our faith? I also went to second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. Um, so second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. Um, I did go back to six, verse six. It says, therefore, we are always confident and knowing that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Hmm. As long as we are at home in the body, we are away from God. For we live by faith, not by sight. So... The biggest part is we live by faith, not by sight. Again, things not seen. And when they say we're away from the Lord, I just feel like it says while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So what I take that to mean is that, again, there's two parts of us. There's the spiritual and there's the physical. When we're dead and gone, Our spirit, of course, lives on. It returns back to that spiritual realm where the bigger picture is seen, you know, where it's clear, where like there's no veil. Okay. The physical, I believe when we come into this physical earth, when we're born into the physical earth, we don't have all the knowledge of the spiritual. We've got to go through, we've got to start our lessons. If our lesson is forgiveness, if our lesson is patient, patience, we've got to go through the physical lessons. We've got to grow it and build it. So it's basically, we're coming to school. We're starting from kindergarten. Let's say we go to the college of faith or the college of patience. We've got to start from step one. 
we don't get all of that spiritual wisdom immediately. Now it comes and it comes from hearing, it comes from studying, it comes from how you nurture it. But I feel like when we're in the physical, when we're in physical form, we're not, God is not that easily seen. We really have to connect with him through faith, through, through faith, through, through believing, through the word. Okay. So, um, how do we grow our faith? I also went to, um, James chapter two, verse 14 through 22. Okay. So how do we grow our faith? James says faith without works is dead. So how do we grow our faith? We grow it by actions. So let's jump on over to James verse 14, James 2 verse 14 through 22. And I'll read it. It says faith without works is dead. So we grow it by action. Um, verse 14, it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Okay. So here it is. They're asking the question. Can that faith save him? Verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, that means they're hungry and they don't have enough clothes, they're cold. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving him the things needed for the body. What good is that? So you're wishing him well, you're wishing him peace, but you're not taking the action. You're not doing the works to give him the things that would give him peace, like food, clothing. You're just speaking, you're just talking trash basically, but you're not doing the action to help your brother. That's like, kind of like saying, hey, I pray for you, but you don't take the action of actually praying. Or you know that they need an extra $50 and I'm going to use money. What the heck? It could be anything. You know, that person needs help. You know that you're capable of doing it, but you can like, Hey, I hope your lights get turned back on. I'm gonna pray for you, but they need $50. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Come on. <laughs> so faith without, without works is dead. Um, last verse. So it says, so also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. Okay. So that basically means how do we grow our faith? We've also got to take action. Okay. We can't just be out there like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We've got to take action. So, and I'll give an example again. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that when I am afraid of something, I do it. And there's, there's a lady, I think her name is Mel B, um, Mel something. And you can Google her like on YouTube or something. And she has this thing where whenever she's challenged with procrastinating, she counts down five, four, three, two, one, and boom. And I've used that a little bit. I actually used that starting this podcast today because I was like super nervous feeling 
like I wasn't worthy. And I just prayed and then I counted down five, four, three, two, one, boom, hit play, hit record. Um, so just taking action, you like, if I'm afraid of something, I've got to take action. And I'll share with you guys, when I started, when I retired from law enforcement and started um, my career in my second career in life insurance, I started off just door knocking, you know, old fashioned practices. That's what salesmen did back in the day, back in the day. Like that's like 30 years ago um, before the Internet. So door knocking, I would be sometimes scared like I like people. But it was a little nerve wracking because you got a little script, but you can't hold your script and read it to them. So you got to like be able to know what to say. So the first few times trying to remember stuff, it was a little nerve wracking. Um, But I got to the point where every time I felt fear, I just knock at the door. Boom. Like now I'm here. I can't turn. I'm not going to turn around and run like. I'm not going to ding, what do they call that? Ding dong ditch or something, something that, whatever that game is, but I'm not going to do that. So it developed a habit in me that whenever I'm afraid, take action, just do it. And the funny thing is my daughter, we were watching something. We were actually watching Will Smith on his 50th birthday. He jumped out of, um, bungee jumped out of a helicopter. And I mentioned to my daughter that I have a fear of heights. And she's like, ma, I never knew that. You know, she's like an adult now, never knew that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually like really scared of heights. But what I always do is I will go on the highest elevator, um, hot air balloon, you name it. Why? Because I'm going to challenge my faith. Like I'm not going to let, I'm, maybe I'm just super competitive. I'm not going to let something like take control of me. And I'll share this other thing. So a few months ago, um, something was going on. My daughter was at the hospital. I had to go pick her up and I knew she was really super ready to come home. I had to take care of some stuff, but there was a lizard in my car. I had not driven my car for a few days because the lizard was there, but again, I didn't have to. Now this particular day I'm going out, it's dark. The sun hadn't come up yet. I had a little drive to do. And I knew the lizard was in my car. I got in the car and granted, I don't want lizards, anything creepy, crawly jumping on me, especially while I'm driving. I don't really have a fear of lizards. I just don't want them on me. Um, I'm not touching them. They stay in their zone. I stay in my lane and I got in the car and I just had to take dominion over that fear. And like, you know what? If the lizard jumps on me while I'm driving, I am going to stay calm. Believe it or not, 20 minutes into the drive, I'm driving. It's dark. All I can see is headlights in front of me. One was a police officer. I feel something jump on my leg. I'm like, crap. I can't see because it's dark. I end up getting my cell phone, which was in the seat next to me, turning on the flashlight, pointing it down. Sure enough, the little tiny sensation that I felt on my knee was the lizard on me. I'm like, crap, he could run, he could do anything. I had to take a few seconds, find some place. It felt like an eternity, find some place to pull over and without 
get crashing into somebody without anybody crashing into me from behind. So I find a place, I pull over, I open the car door, I turn my legs to put my legs outside of the car and get out and try to swat him off. He won't get off. I pull my sleeve down super long and swatted him off. Like, let me tell you, that control, that of one, just getting in the car, (laughs) number two, of keeping the car under control while this lizard is on me for a few minutes, that is, to me, conquering fear. But I'm that person that I have challenged myself so much and I've, and it's not me, it's seeing God so many times carry me through stuff that God says, take dominion over all these, the dogs, the horses, the cats, the fish, the birds. Why not a lizard? (laughs) You know? So, yeah. And I'll tell you another thing. Um, My bestie, she, she had a frog and I'll say it. She had a frog in her house and she said, and I was like, Hey, I'll come and get it for you if you want. And she was like, when she found out that I was actually scared of frogs, she's like, oh my gosh, you're scared of them and you were going to come get it? And I was like, yeah, because honestly, I just know the end result. Like I see the end result. The end result is I'm going to win, not the frog. <laughs> so I just have to, all I have to do is breathe and believe. That's it. Just keep breathing. I just can't stop breathing. Just keep breathing and believe. And God has got it. He's going he's gonna to get me through it. So that's just really how I conquer fear. There's a lot of things that I may have fear about. Um, a lot of them pertaining to me and my ability, like doing this podcast and serve, um, doing justice to it. But I just kind of like pray about it and jump in with both feet um, and trust God. So, okay. So I think that's it for how do we grow our faith? Take action. Number five. Um, what are the rules of faith? So that was like, okay, if you tell me to do something, but I need to know how, sometimes I need to know the rules. Like if I'm playing football, I need to know the rules of the game. Cause if I don't know if going out of bounds is going to mess me up, then I'm not, if I got to know the rules in order to win the game, in order to master the game, in order to be a championship. So I want to be a champion at this faith. I want to be like a master. I want to be a ninja faith Jedi, right? So I need to know what's the rules so I can know how to not go out of bounds. So I know the opposite is doubt, worry, fear, negative self-talk. Okay. So what are the rules that I need to do? So what I did, I wrote down clarity, the opposite of doubt, clarity, So when I want to do something, I need to have clarity about it. I need to have a vision. I need to be able to see it, feel it, taste it. Um, The Bible says, without a vision, my people shall perish. So when I want to do something, I need to have a vision of the outcome. I need to be like, I I, I want to start a business. I need to be able to visualize how that is going. You know, I need to be able to visualize it in a positive way. So clarity, 
Now, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just kind of like meditate on it before I go to sleep, even for on a daily basis. I wake up in the morning. I don't just pop out of bed. I wake up and I visualize on my sales. I want to have at least four sales for the day or three sales for the day. Or I may set a goal. I want to at least talk to 10 people today. And out of those 10 people, I'm probably going to sell about three, maybe four. And out of those three or four, I'm going to get some side sales, you know, (laughs) like their spouse, their grandchildren. So I have my vision clear on what I'm going to do, you know, so clarity, um, the rules of faith, having clarity about your vision. Second thing I'll say, having trust in God, you cannot have faith and not believe that God has got you. Okay. So trust in God. Um, the next thing I put is knowing that God is working for my greater good that he wants. If God, God is called our father, not, he could have been called, um, our buddy. He could have been called, you know, the OG. He could have been called anything. He's called, one of his names is our father. So I always look at the relationship. He's the father. I'm the child. Now in my physical mind, I know as a parent, parent, child, parent, child, I'm not a father, I'm a mother, but parent, child relationship. I know how much I want to give to my kids. Like they're both grown. And even as an adult with, as a parent with adult children, I still want to give to them everything like my will, my life insurance, everything that I have will be for my kids. I want, it gives me joy to make them happy, to give them what they not just need because that's food, shelter, clothing, but it gives me joy to have their cup running over with blessings. Like how much greater does God want to do for me? He's aching. I imagine him aching to give me every desire of my heart. The Bible says that he wants to give me the desires of my heart. Now that leads me to the rules of faith. He wants to give me the desires of my heart, of my heart, but we can't just be like, yeah, God will give me the desires of my heart. I want to go slap somebody. You can't be desiring to slap, kill, kick, punch. Those are like negative things. So what I feel is that one of the rules is we have to be lined up and in accordance with God's word. We have to be part of the body of Christ. So again, my analogy is if, if the, if my fingernail gets jammed, every part of my body, all the cells down to the atoms, the food I eat gets breaking down to work to healing that finger, right? To helping that finger heal up whatever it needs, like all the little blood that the purple, that's just all the good cells and everything coming to make sure that that finger and fingernail is okay. 
So I imagine if in the body of Christ, I'm just a fingernail, but if I get hurt or I need something, I lack for something, God will make everything, everything will work for my good. So let's go to Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And it says there, Romans chapter eight, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. So I'm going to go back to 26, verse 26 first. You know, I like to always give a little pre, pre, um, lay down a little something. So Romans chapter eight, I'm going to start with verse 26. It says in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm the fingernail. I'm weak. The spirit, the body of Christ, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. So imagine I, I'm the fingernail. I stub my fingers. Something in me is hurting. I'm hurting. All I know is to pray, but I don't even know what to pray for. That's, that's, that's rock bottom. When you don't even know the first thing to say or to do. The spirit himself intercedes. That means when I don't know up from down. I'm just totally busted, broken down. God himself, the spirit, the spirit consists of his angels because they're just a part of, we're all connected. We're all part of God. We're all just little bits of him. God is in all of us. So the spirit himself intercedes. He, when we don't know what to do, he steps in. Melissa, I got you. And it says, he intercedes for us through world wordless groans. That means I don't even have to have the word right. I could just like, I hit my fingernail. Ah, oh gosh, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm acting this out too much. But um, imagine I cry out in pain. I don't even know what to say at the time. I'm in so much pain. God comes in and intercedes. Okay. He intercedes for God's people. For God's people, you got to be part of the body. You can't just be out there going all rogue and stuff. You've got to be part of the body. That means you've got to be trying to please God. You've got to be one of his children. He intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we got to be on the same will. We have to, what does God want? He wants us to love his brother. He wants us to be truthful. He wants to be us, us to be of service. He wants us to brag on God. He wants us to give God the glory. He wants us to praise. The Bible tells us the things that we need to be doing now. And if you have never read the Bible, never heard the word, there is something in us that's built in that we know right from wrong. If I go outside right now and I see a cat, I'm not crazy about cats. I, I like animals. But if I go outside and I kick a cat, I don't care whether it's my neighbor's cat, it's a stray cat. If I kick a cat, I know something in me says that is wrong. Why? Because there's something God put in all of us 
to know right from wrong. I didn't need to read it in the Bible where it says Joseph did not kick the cat. I, it's built in. I know that's not good. If I go outside and pet the cat, ah, that's good. That's, a, that's something pot, like I feel it. So there's no excuse when we're doing right from wrong. We know it. Now, do we choose to receive it? Do we choose to hear it or are we ignoring it? And out there doing what we want to do, what's pleasing for our flesh. Okay, so verse 28, we're still on Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Again, we got to be lined up with the body. Can't be like, well, guys, you know, you say you're going to give me the desires of my heart. I want a million dollars. So I could go out there and start a militia and kill up all the, you know, <laughs> the people with two, three eyes. No, 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 that's no, you gotta be, you gotta be doing good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Gotta be about serving God for those God foreknew that means he knew us before. Maybe he knew us like in the spiritual realm, clarity. We up there chilling with God. He knows us. We come down to the physical earth. We might be a little separated because we're here to overcome these challenges. And if we had all the answers that we have in the spiritual world, then heck, there's not, there's no reason to operate in faith because we already know the outcome. We already know. Boom. Um, so it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the son. So before anything, God knew us because we're a part of him. I choose to be in the body of Christ. God already predestined. He already made the way for me to be in the image of his son. That means that I'm Christ-like. I can speak to things. The Bible says I can speak to the mountain. Like that's some awesome stuff. Okay. 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 Let me, let me slow down. Okay. Let me speak. I don't know. Slow down, speed up. I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's number five. Number six was, and this is my last number six. I wrote the rewards of faith. What are the rewards of faith? So I put pleasing God. It's that simple. The rewards of faith is pleasing God. That's our ultimate goal. We are on this earth to please God. I also put um, Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. And it says something about whatever you ask in prayer, you'll receive if you have faith. So let's get on over to Matthew 21. Hold on, hold on guys. 21, Matthew 21, verse 22. I should have highlighted some of these things and says, um, Okay, so I'm going to read from 21. It's okay. Let me go to 20. 
It says, when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Okay, so this is the part where Jesus is walking. He's hungry. He passes by a fig tree. The fig tree's purpose is to produce fig. What are figs for? To eat, to feed us, to quench our hunger. The fig tree was bare, was barren. Um, and I want to go back. I'm going to go back real quick. Let's go back to verse 18. It says early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. So the fig tree was not serving its purpose. It was just like, dude, what you here for? Then he said to it, May, Jesus said to the fig tree, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately. Jesus got some super awesome faith. It's just like, boom, it's like flash faith. Immediately the tree withered. Now, I don't know why Jesus cursed the tree, but the only thing I can gather from that is Jesus was hungry. It says he was hungry. In verse 18, he was hungry. He saw the fig tree. He knew everything was supposed to be working to his good. The purpose of that tree was to produce fruit. For whatever reason, the tree only had leaves. What the heck? Jesus, not, he's not supposed to eat leaves. We are supposed, the people and the trees and everything were supposed to provide for him. The tree wasn't doing his job. Jesus cursed it for not living its purpose. Now, when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what is done, what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe you will receive what you've asked for in prayer. Now, I'm going to try and wrap this up. This, I never really paid attention to Jesus doing any negative things. Like everything that we talk about is about, about him healing the blind, him raising the dead. They don't talk much about him killing off the tree. But I feel like that's super important. How many times in our life do we have things that's not working for our good? Whether it's um, a boyfriend, I can't say husband, because if you're married, you made that vow, you made that commitment, you in it. Y'all pray through that, go to counseling, whatever you need to do. But if you're in the dating mode and you got somebody in your life, friend, boyfriend, and they're always speaking negative, you want to start a business, they're always like, <laughs> I call them dream killers. Um, they're always, well, you know, it's the, uh, the economy's hard now. It's the pandemic, this, that, whatever. They got a million, they're the devil's advocate. They got a million reasons why challenges might come against you. And they're never about supporting you. Now, it's one thing to sit and brainstorm with somebody and help them. Hey, these are the most common things that you may deal with. Let's find a solution. They're not about helping you brainstorm through. They're about, well, you know, I tried my business and it didn't work. You know, they said half of businesses don't even make it off the ground. You know, they say always negative. 
they're not serving your purpose. Now I mentioned before, somebody had said to me before, people are either for or against you. If they're lukewarm, the Bible says, be the hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out. <laughs> okay. So if somebody is speaking against your faith, against you fulfilling your destiny, they're not serving you any purpose. They're dragging you down. It's okay to shut that thing down. Jesus immediately shut it down. He cursed that tree. Hey, dude, get out, get out my life. Don't even call my phone. Don't text my phone. You ain't serving purpose nowhere in my life. I'm sorry. I ain't hating on you. I'm just shutting you down. I'm not sending them no negatives. I'm not praying he get a wart. Nothing. I'm just shutting him down out my life because he's contradictory to my faith. So I want to say it's okay. It's actually advised to do that. Shut people down. Like you might want to help them. Yeah, help them. But there's some people who are stuck in a negative mode and it becomes draining. You honestly, you help people, but you've got to protect your faith, right? So, yeah. Okay. So I want to say that. And then it says, if you believe you will receive what you have asked for in prayer. Okay. So the rewards of faith is what you believe. That means again, going back to verse 22, if you believe replace belief with faith, if you have faith, you will receive what you ask for in prayer. Remember the rules of faith though. You have to be in the body. You can't be out there wishing people to die and stuff. That ain't it. I don't think that's it. Um, you can shut people down though, if they're not, you know, but we're not wishing no help, no bad on them. Sorry. Ooh, I guess hell is in the Bible. I didn't mean it. I didn't even mean to say that. It just flew out my mouth. Um, but the rewards of faith is God will give you what you ask for. He will give you the desires of your heart. Your heart just has to be clean, has to be pleasing to God. And is that not why we're on this earth to be pleasing to God? So I think I'm done. I'm done. I, I, I feel kind of good about this one. And maybe when I tried to do it the other day, I was all over the place. Maybe I needed to. So I actually deleted that whole podcast and did it again. And I feel like this one is a little bit clearer. I hope and pray that you guys have gotten something from it. Um, take your own time to meditate, get in the word. This Bible study is only the crumbs. You guys have got to, we've all got to still continue to get into the word. Don't just take a verse, get into it, learn it, do some study, get into it. Um, so today it's about faith. Don't let distractions knock you off what you're doing. Make sure that your will is lined up with God. And if you do, he will give you the desires of your heart. It's almost like clockwork. He will make sure that that fingernail heals. He will do what he says he would do. It's that simple. Okay. All right, guys. So one more again. I think we did it. I'm good. All right. Have a blessed day, week. 
be a blessing to someone else. Peace.